0: Imagine there's a killer on the loose in your town. Now imagine he's dressed as Santa Claus and kills another victim every Christmas Eve. Don't worry though, the hapless Chief Inspector Sizemore, he's on the case. The problem is it's December 24th and he has just hours until the killer strikes again. This is The Christmas Killer by me, Luke Richardson. Chief Inspector Sizemore lowered his large carcass into the chair and slumped over his desk. He rubbed a hand across his face and tried to focus on the photographs spread out before him. Each picture showed an image of a dead body lying on the floor beside a Christmas tree. Sizemore lifted his glass of whiskey to his lips and took a swig. He'd received the bottle of ten-year-old scotch every month as a gift from a city councillor who'd been caught with his pants down Literally, The gift was the least the councillor could do for Sizemore continuing to look the other way. Sizemore focused hard on the photographs. So far, there were seven dead men and two dead women, one for every Christmas Eve of the last nine years. And beside the body, a note claiming to be written by Santa himself. Sizemore picked up the copies of the notes and flicked through them. Each was carefully written in the same hand and explained that each person had been abusing their family and deserved their fate. Sizemore had no interest in whether the claims of domestic violence or whatever were true or not. In Sizemore's opinion, what a parent did to keep their family in line was no one's business but their own. A killer on the loose, though, that was very much Sizemore's concern. He looked at the photos one more time and grumbled... The problem was, at this time of year, dozens of Santas roamed the town. The killer was literally hiding in plain sight. Sizemore glanced at the calendar on his wall. It was Christmas Eve, and yet again, he had nothing to go on. Sizemore thought about the threat Commissioner Bunce had made a week ago. If this killer embarrasses us again, Sizemore, you'll spend the new year directing traffic. Sizemore felt his rage building within him. There was no way he would let this man show him up again. It just couldn't happen. Sizemore turned his attention back to the photographs and tried to call his brain cells into action. He focused hard. His eyebrows inched together and his jowls wobbled. Sizemore heard a distant grinding noise and wondered whether that was the brain cells that had survived his drinking habit, trying to rub themselves into action. Then he realized he was grinding his teeth. Sizemore concentrated even harder, looking at the pictures. These pictures held a clue, something that Sizemore had yet to see. He knew it. If he could just figure that out, then he could get ahead of this lunatic. Then something quite incredible happened. A thought flashed across Sizemore's mind. Like a beam of sunshine on a winter's day, it was there for a moment before disappearing again. Sizemore jolted upright as though an electric shock had just passed through him. He sat still for a moment, concentrating hard on the thought. He narrowed his eyes and craned his neck forward as though the gesture might encourage the flash of intelligence back into his little grey cells. Suddenly there it was. The realisation struck him like a fist to the cheek. Then Sizemore heard a sound. At first he thought it was his own voice, but then he realised it was music. Music boomed through the house from the front room. Be careful, Santa's watching, oh so near, the voice of an aged singer crooned. His list is long and he's checking it, my dear. Just as quickly as the thought appeared, it fled again into the recesses of Sizemore's brain. Sizemore twisted his lips into a snarl. He bashed his fists down against the desk, knocking several items to the floor. So spread some love and some good cheer, the song continued, vibrating the floors of the house. Sizemore leapt from his feet, the chair smashing backwards to the floor. He spun around and stormed through the house. He barged into the front room just in time to see his wife and daughter join in on the final line of the song. Be good now, Santa's watching, my dear. Sizemore charged across the room and drove a fist into the top of the range music system. Nothing happened, so Sizemore smashed another fist into the music system. Then he grabbed the device and tore it from the shelf. Wires and sparks flew as he ripped it from its power source. The music continued for another few moments before groaning into silence. Spinning around and totally oblivious to his wife and daughter watching on in shock, Sizemore hurled the music system into the Christmas tree. The hunk of plastic and metal sailed across the room, striking the tree's trunk with a thunderous crash. The once-proud fir tree, adorned with ornaments and shimmering lights, crashed to the floor. Ornaments shattered into a thousand glittering shards. Tinsel unfurled and danced wildly. The fairy lights that had adorned the tree blinked and fizzed. How dare you disrupt me, Sizemore charged across the room towards his wife. Don't you know there's a killer out there? I'm trying to solve this case and all you're doing is making it more difficult for me. Mrs Sizemore backed away, her eyes as wide as the now shattered baubles. Her back hit the kitchen counter and she froze. If I don't solve this, Sizemore shouted, someone will die tonight. Do you want that on your conscience? Then the sound of a ringing telephone pierced the chaos. It took Sizemore several moments to hear the noise through the blood thumping in his ears. When he did, he glanced down at the phone attached to his belt. Sizemore lowered his fist and answered the call. Sir, sir, I've just seen Santa. It was the panicked voice of Deputy Smallbone that came down the line. I'll be there in ten minutes, Sizemore barked. Sizemore's police cruiser squealed to a stop outside the town's small theatre. He paced across to Smallbone's car. The deputy crouched behind the door, his weapon already raised towards the theatre door. "'What's the situation?' Sizemore barked, lowering himself into a crouch beside Smallbone. "'Well, I was I was just getting a cinnamon latte and a bun over there.' Smallbone flicked a thumb towards the cafe over the road. "'Have you had one? If not, you really... "'Watch the situation with the suspect!' Sizemore groaned through gritted teeth, resisting the temptation to whack small bone around the back of the head. Where's Santa? Oh, I had eyes on the target and I saw him go inside the theatre almost thirty minutes ago. Thirty minutes? Sizemore roared. What took you so long to contact me? I didn't get my coffee to take out. It's never as nice in a paper cup. You really should... This time, Sizemore couldn't resist the temptation. He thumped Smallbone around the back of the head. The smaller man groaned. Mm. I bet he's holed up in there, making plans for tonight, Sizemore said. Yeah, Smallbone muttered. My wife says you've always got to have a plan for Christmas. Otherwise, you don't get to see everyone you ought to. This is not a social call, you idiot. He'll be planning to murder his victim. We need to go in there and catch him in the act. I'll call back up, smallbones said reaching for his radio. There's no time for backup, Sizemore swatted the smaller man's hand away from his radio. We go in there now, silently. Sizemore strode across the sidewalk and pushed in through the door and into the theater's lobby. Hearing an almighty scream, Sizemore froze and groped for his weapon. He dropped into a crouch and then heard the noise again. This time, he realized it was a laugh. It was the deep, bellowing laugh of several hundred people, like the applause track on a bad sitcom. Sizemore straightened up just in time to hide his shock from Smallbone who clattered noisily through the door behind him. Sizemore spun around and placed his finger against his lips. Sizemore signalled that they should move to the doors of the auditorium. Sizemore reached the door first and shoved it open an inch. Other than the brightly lit stage, the auditorium was dark. A large man dressed as a Christmas elf strutted across the stage, much to the amusement of the audience. You search the front, I'll go backstage, Sizemore whispered. Without a look back, Sizemore stalked off, convinced that the backstage area was precisely where a criminal mastermind like the Santa Killer would seek refuge. Sizemore had no intention of allowing Detective Smallbone to steal the spotlight by making the arrest. At the end of the corridor, Sizemore pushed through a door marked Theatre Personnel Only. Sizemore pulled out his trusty flashlight and turned it on. The beam cut through the darkness, revealing a maze of backstage chaos. Another laugh boomed from the auditorium. Sizemore manoeuvred past stacks of wooden crates, labelled and a tangled web of cables that snaked across the floor. Giant foam heads, remnants of a whimsical puppet show, Sizemore's eyes darted from one curious sight to the next. Racks of elaborate costumes from past productions, a towering backdrop of painted scenery from a countryside scene now crumpled and forgotten, a papier-mâché snowman which had seen better days. With each step, the laughter grew louder. To Sizemore, it sounded as though the Santa killer was taunting to him. Are you ready to see the man of the hour? Came the booming voice of the man-elf. The crowd roared louder than ever before. Sizemore's grip tightened on his flashlight and he swept a drape to one side. I can't hear you, the voice roared again. The crowd hollered and screamed. Sizemore stepped through the drape and then froze. Right there in front of him stood Santa. Santa's eyes twinkled with mischief and a naughty grin played on his rosy cheeks. In a gloved hand, he held a bag full of candy canes. "'Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls!' the voice boomed, now muted by the thundering of Sizemore's rage. The figure right there in front of him was the man who had evaded Sizemore for nine years. This man had made Sizemore look like a prize idiot." Here to sing you, be careful, Santa's watching, the man-elf continued. Sizemore fumbled with his weapon and then surged towards Santa. He was not going to let the slippery eel evade him today, not on his life. Please, welcome to the stage, Santa Claus! Sizemore lurched forward just as Santa stepped out onto the stage and burst instantly into song. But there's one thing you should always know, Santa crooned, stepping into the bright stage lights. Sizemore pulled a drape aside. The whole area had been made up to look like Lapland with fake snow and countless twinkling Christmas trees. As the holiday lights in our hearts do glow, Santa song. slipping between two trees towards the crowd. I hate this song, I hate this song. Sizemore muttered, rage building inside him. All his muscles tensed and his jaw jutted out as though he were chewing through a block of concrete. A little reminder, it's a joyful decree, Santa song, perfectly hitting the high notes. As Santa continued to sing and work the crowd with his infectious holiday charm, Sizemore decided he couldn't wait any longer. He had to act now before Santa slipped away once again. With a final exasperated huff, Sizemore abandoned any notion of subtlety. Be careful now, cos Santa's watching, you see, Santa bellowed. Breaking from the shadows, Sizemore dashed onto the stage, brandishing his handcuffs and badge with all the authority he could muster. Santa, you're under arrest! Sizemore declared, charging towards the red-robed figure. Be careful, Santa's watching. Oh, so near. Santa took a step backwards and Sizemore missed him by inches, careening into one of the trees. The tree flopped to the ground in a cloud of fake snow. The loudest roar yet rose from the audience. His list is long and he's checking it, my dear santa pirouetted in a daintly manner which belied his size sizemore looked up the fake snow covering his face and saw the audience all laughing at the spectacle many had their smartphones raised aloft filming the whole thing for good measure sizemore's fury rose to the next level he clambered up his vision now drowning in red mist A few feet away, Santa slipped perfectly into the next line. So spread some love and good cheer, don't you fear? Sizemore charged again, this time determined to take down the killer. Just as Sizemore neared, Santa reached up into the air. Suddenly, a stagehand heaved on a rope backstage, and Santa's feet left the stage altogether. Sizemore's eyes bulged as he looked at the space where the man used to be. He glanced upwards and watched Santa swinging high above the stage, clearly attached to some kind of cable system. Sizemore stumbled across a small plastic reindeer and then crashed through a stack of beautifully wrapped presents. The audience roared with laughter, thoroughly entertained by Sizemore's slapstick escapades. Then, the orchestra rose in volume, gearing up for the crescendo. Sizemore spun around. Santa was now hovering over the middle of the stage, just above a small house with snow painted on the eaves. Sizemore barreled across the stage and leapt onto the roof, the audience inhaled, watching the police chief scramble up on top of the small house. The orchestra played louder, reaching their final note. Santa inhaled and then delivered the last line in perfect pitch. Cos Santa's watching, my dear. <sighs> While Santa held the final note, Sizemore leapt and grabbed at the man's ankles. Not prepared for the extra weight, the stagehand let go of the rope. Santa and Sizemore crashed through the roof of the house in a hail of fake snow and dust. The curtains swung shut and the audience leapt to their feet, applauding frantically at the hilarious and unexpected climax to the Christmas show. One hour later, Sizemore paced into the interview room and sat opposite Santa. The man had been relieved of his fake beard, hat and trademark red outfit and now sat in a vest and shorts. Smallbone took the chair beside Sizemore and started the tape recorder. Sizemore peered at the man. He was a lot slimmer than Sizemore had expected without the large outfit. Where were you last Christmas Eve? Sizemore snarled, pointing at Santa. The North Pole, Santa said, rolling his eyes. Smallbone's eyes widened and he looked nervously at his superior. Don't mess with me, Sizemore shouted, banging his fist on the table. "Uh, Maybe he is the real Santa, Smallbone whispered, leaning towards Sizemore. Sizemore slapped Smallbone around the head. "Uh, Seriously, boss, if he is the real Santa, we better let him go. He's got a lot to do tonight. A vein throbbed in Sizemore's head as he turned to look at his subordinate. Shut up right now before I make you. I'm just saying, he'll have a lot to... Smallbone didn't get time to finish his sentence as Sizemore leapt to his feet, grabbed his subordinate by the collar, tore open the door and threw him out of the room. You have just one more chance to tell me where you were last Christmas Eve, Sizemore growled standing over Santa. The North Pole, the prisoner said again. It's the restaurant at the end of Central Avenue. They booked my Santa Act for the whole festive season. The door flew open again and Sizemore was about to bellow at Smallbone when Commissioner Bunce appeared. Sizemore, my office, now. I was about to get a confession from that guy. Sizemore growled, pacing into the commissioner's office. Bunce slumped into his seat and steepled his fingers. No, you weren't. That's Royston Clark. He's been playing Santa in this town for 30 years. He also does the Easter Bunny, Widow Twanky and all sorts of characters for kids' parties. Bunce spun his laptop around and showed Sizemore a website. The images on the website showed Royston Clark in various costumes and settings. Bunce tapped on the laptop and another video appeared showing Sizemore's arrest in the theatre, as recorded by a member of the audience. Bunce looked at Sizemore's uniform, now dishevelled, with remnants of tinsel, candy canes and fake snow. Sizemore, do you have any idea what you've done? The commissioner's voice was a blend of frustration and incredulity. Sizemore shifted uncomfortably, struggling to find the right words to explain his mishap. I I, I had him cornered, Commissioner, but things got out of hand. I'll say they got out of hand. They've been so far out of hand, you've never even been close. Sizemore stuttered an answer. No, you have embarrassed the entire police force, disrupted a public event and turned our pursuit of a criminal into a laughing stock. But it's Christmas Eve tonight and you're nowhere near catching this killer. Sizemore's gaze hardened on his hands. It's him. I know it. It's him. It's not him, Bunce bellowed, spittle flying. That man is a professional performer. And this is not the first time you've arrested someone just because they were wearing a Santa suit, is it? How many have you arrested? This will be the 35th, sir, Sizemore said. Bunce sighed. Sizemore, as a result of your reckless actions tonight, I'm left with no choice but to suspend you. Sir, you can't. I'm this close. Sizemore held up a hand with two fingers pressed together. You're not close at all, Bunce bellowed. So give me your badge and your gun now. Sizemore pulled his car onto the drive. He looked up at the house and noticed that the window where the Christmas tree had once stood was now empty. Useless woman, he muttered, thinking about his wife. All she ever seemed to do was make a mess in the house. His hard work, helped along by a few backhand bribes from the town's criminal underworld, paid for this house, and all she did was mess it up. Once again, Sizemore felt anger burn in his stomach. This was all his wife's fault if she wasn't such a lazy, good-for-nothing layabout. He grabbed the bottle of scotch from the passenger seat. He bought the bottle on the way back from the station with the intention of drinking the whole thing this evening. There was nothing more Sizemore wanted than to get completely, rip-roaringly drunk. Sizemore killed the engine and fumbled with the controls. The radio roared to life. Be careful, Santa's watching, oh so near. Several bars of be careful, Santa's watching boomed through the car at an incredibly loud volume. Sizemore lashed out, punching the stereo. He eventually managed to pull the keys from the ignition and the music died. Sizemore took a swig of the scotch to steady his nerves and scrambled out of the car. He staggered up the front steps and opened the door. Inside, the scene of destruction was as it had been a few hours before. Why haven't you cleaned this mess up? Sizemore bellowed. His voice echoed through the house. He took two unsteady steps forwards, not bothering to close the door. Where are you? He shouted again. It's Christmas tomorrow and this place is a mess. It needs to be tidied up. Now! Sizemore clenched his fists as anger burned the back of his throat. He was now just a few heartbeats away from going into a full Hulk smash rage. He glanced at the carcass of his music system, which now lay in pieces on the floor. She'll have to pay for that, he groaned, stomping into the kitchen. He crossed the kitchen with the thoughts of getting a glass to drink from, but then gave up halfway and took another swig from the bottle. Then, on the counter... Sizemore saw the note. Crossing the kitchen, he recognised Mrs Sizemore's writing. "'Gone to spend a few days at my mum's.' Sizemore read the note out loud. "'You've been violent towards us too many times. We will talk in a few days. This is what's best for our daughter.' At first, Sizemore's lips quivered. Then the vibration overtook his whole face. "'How do you know?' Sizemore bellowed, sweeping the stack of papers from the counter. You know nothing! He marched across the kitchen and pushed a stack of plates to the floor. Then he punched a family photo, sending shards of glass into his fist. In this state, pain was nothing to Sizemore. He marched back across the kitchen, ready to continue the destruction throughout the entire house. Then he saw a photograph on the floor and the rage in his veins turned to ice. He froze. Sizemore bent over and picked the thing up. Slowly at first, his brain started to whirr as the pieces of the puzzle that had foxed him for almost a decade shifted into place. Sizemore looked at the photograph. It was one of the official photographs taken at the Victoria Centre Mall. In the picture, his daughter sat on Santa's knee. Mrs Sizemore stood in the background, makeup barely covering the last black eye she'd forced him to give her. Like a greyhound released from the trap, Sizemore dashed into his study. The crime scene pictures were still spread out across the desk. Sizemore placed the photograph on the table between the picture of the corpses. He stood over the desk and looked down at the array. His eyes moved from Mrs Sizemore's swollen face to the pictures of the dead men. Sizemore swallowed. It felt like a rock had formed in his throat. In a frantic move, he swept up one of the crime scene photos and held it close to his bloodshot eyes. It can't be, Sizemore gasped. In the picture, right behind the dead man's leg, was the same keepsake photo from the Victoria Centre Mall. Sizemore focused harder on the picture. In the image, a young boy sat on Santa's knee... Sizemore turned to the next crime scene photograph. Sure enough, beside the body was the same keepsake photo from the month. The keepsake photo was there by the third and fourth pictures too. Be careful, Santa's watching, oh so near. When Sizemore first heard the voice drifting through the house, he thought he was imagining things. He whipped around to face the office door, cold wind wafted in from where he'd left the front door open. When the voice came again, Sizemore knew he wasn't dreaming. His list is long, he's checking it, my dear. An arctic chill moved through Sizemore's body, footsteps crunched through the broken Christmas decorations. I'm a police officer, whoever you are, you're under arrest. Sizemore slurred. Sizemore saw something moving in the gloom beyond the door. He reached for his hip, looking for his weapon, only to realize it had been taken away by the commissioner. The voice let out a dry chuckle, then continued more energetically with the next line of the song. So spread some good love and cheer, don't you fear. A dark shape filled the doorway. The figure took a step closer. When Sizemore recognised the man, his jaw dropped. A man dressed as Santa stood in the doorway. Santa lifted his hands as though conducting an orchestra. Sizemore noticed the blade of a knife glinting in one of the interloper's hands. Suddenly, all at once, and all too late, it made perfect sense to Sizemore. Then Santa bellowed his voice filling the whole house because Santa's watching my dear thank you so much for tuning into thriller vault I hope you enjoyed the story and didn't get too put off by my singing Please make sure you're liking and subscribing uh, to the stream here so that you get all of our stories. We do them every single week and we absolutely love sharing these stories with you. For more of my stories, check out my website, LukeRichardsonAuthor.com or search for me on your favourite book store. Thank you so much. Happy Christmas. And I'll share another story with you soon.